I was at a coffee shop because that's where I spend like 85% of my week. And I was there hanging out. And uh, I'm like a people watcher, like not in like a weird way. Like I don't like creep in people's windows and stuff. I'm just like intrigued by like people. And I'm sitting there and I'm doing work. And I start listening to this conversation over beside me. And I realize that what I'm listening to are two girls who are about to graduate college. And this is like their last like hangout before they like graduate and leave and go off to wherever they go off to, and as they're talking, they're like, oh my gosh, blah, blah, like t- talking about new cities and new jobs, everything's fun and exciting, and then they start to say bye, and then it hits them, oh, I don't know when I'm going to see you again, like, and it's that like kind of, I guess I'll see you at like a wedding, like is that where adults hang out, like I don't really know, and it's like, and, and so all, all of a sudden they just kind of start to get really like, like, like anxious and, and panicked, and then I started to get anxious and panicked because I had this like flashback, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're never going to see each other, it's going to be awful, and, um, and then I was like, wait, I'm fine, <laughs> I'm established and I have friends and stuff like that, so it's cool, um, but I was, I, I was like, for a moment, I kind of had this flashback where I remembered that kind of like freak out moment that you felt when you transitioned from like college to post-college life. And, and what I began to kind of think about was the reality that, that transitioning from any se- season of life, from, from one season to the next, whether that's college to post-college or really anything, we tend to kind of freak out a little bit, right? There's, there's a certain level of just kind of freak out that happens because what is really happening when we transition is we're leaving what is known and what is comfortable we're stepping into what is unknown and oftentimes uncomfortable. And as a result, we just kind of freak out, right? So, uh, for instance, um, puberty. <laughs> Need I say more, right? Like, is there a more, like, uncomfortable transition in life from than puberty, right? Like, because you got all these new, like, hormones and emotions, and you're like, what's happening to my body? Or if you're a guy, you're like, what's happening to my body? And you're like, I don't really know what to do with that, right? You know? And... Uh, or let's talk about something less traumatic. Um, when, when, when I was transitioning from like middle school to high school, I kind of had this like freak out because I walked in first day, and remember, I'd just gone through the whole puberty thing, and, uh, and I see this guy named Brian Baugh, and he had like a Zach Galifianakis beard, like just like just a full-on beard, and honestly, in high school, it was probably like peach, peach fuzz, but like, like to me, it looked like this massive beard, and I was like, everyone in high school was 45 years old. Like, that's the scariest thing ever, because... I'm 14, and this is crazy, right? Or, uh, like, think about the first time that you transitioned from, like, being single to a relationship, right? And you realize, now I'm really good at being single. I'm really good at doing this thing, and, oh, no, SOS, like, help. Like, I don't know how to be in a relationship with another person. And that, that transition kind of freaks us out, right? Why? It's because we're leaving what is known and what is comfortable, and we have to step into what is unknown and uncomfortable. And as young adults, man, there are so many different seasons in young adulthood, so many different seasons that you kind of step into, and the reality is that we all just kind of freak out a little bit. And the worst part about it is that the thing that takes the biggest toll is our faith. The thing that takes the biggest toll is our faith, because when we kind of transition into an uncomfortable season, what happens is we start to look at God and we kind of blame him for it. We say, God, like, what's going on here? Like, things were good. Like, things were humming along, and this feels weird. This doesn't feel good. So, God, what are you doing? We just kind of turn and kind of blame God for it. So so what we're going to be doing over the next couple couple weeks is we're going to be walking through this series called Seasons. And and the basic idea is we want to figure out how do we navigate different seasons of life while keeping our faith intact? 
How do we navigate certain seasons in life? Well, well not just freaking out, but having a, a proper understanding of who God is and what he's doing so that we navigate with faith, right? And so uh, we're going to start off tonight by, by really just answering a, a simple question, man, what's God's role in that? And when we walk into a new season and we don't quite like it or it's new or it's uncomfortable, man, what is God doing in that? So, so my hope is that we can come to a place where we develop a framework to, to view God that when we enter into a new season, man, we are, are not shaken by it. That we have this, this view because we understand who God is and what his role is in that. So that's where we're going uh, tonight. Sound good? Okay, great. Because uh, we're going to it either way. So, um, Okay, Ecclesiastes 3, uh, starting in verse 1, it says this. <clears throat> for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Okay, start right there. I promise we're going to read more. But I want us to just like stop and, and, and dwell on this because this is a very weighty sentence. It says, for everything there is a season <clears throat> and a time for every matter under heaven. Now, a couple of things that I want to point out here. The word for everything means everything, right? It means like every single thing that you can imagine. Like there is a season, there is a, a time for it, right? But here's what makes this thing a little like even weightier. <clears throat> the word for season is a Hebrew word that means an appointed time. So what he says is that for everything, there's an appointed time. Everything has been appointed by God. Now, for some of us, that, that kind of rubs us the wrong way, does it not? The, the idea that, that our God could, could appoint everything because there's a lot of different seasons out there, right? And, and so I think for a lot of us, that's not a comforting statement to hear that, oh, like God appoints every single thing that we walk through. But I think the reason why that kind of rubs us the wrong way sometimes is because we've kind of lessened our view of God and, and we don't quite understand the gravity of who our God is. So, so before we kind of walk through what these seasons look like, I, I want to point out two kind of characteristics about God to, to kind of help us understand why this idea that God appoints every season is actually the most comforting thing that we could possibly imagine. So let me read to you um, Isaiah 40, and we'll have it up on the screen as well. But this is Isaiah 40, uh, starting in verse 12. It says, <clears throat> it says this, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? And marked off the heavens with a span, and closed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult, and whom made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are accounted as the dust on the scales." Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. Skip down to verse 21. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwelling, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Skip down to verse 28. He says, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. That's our God. 
That is our God. So this God who is, who is appointing every season. First, I want us to understand that we serve a God who is powerful and in absolute control. Right? Like this God who says that he, that he holds the oceans in the hollow of his hands and measures the heaven in a span, which is the distance between your pinky and your thumb. That he counts the inhabitants of the earth like grasshoppers, that the coastlands are like dust to him. This God is massive and glorious and powerful and weighty. Like that's our God. Like, our God is in absolute control. And that should move us. That should allow us to have this view of a God where, where we kind of take a step back and, so, and we realize the reason why he can appoint everything, and that should comfort us, is because he can. Like, he has the power to appoint every season in our lives. Like, he is God. Like, he is in absolute control. But here's what makes this thing even cooler. God's not some, some God who is sovereign, and, and so... Sovereign is this big churchy word for just being in control and ruling and reigning overall. He's not some, some sovereign God who's in control that, that doesn't care about his creation. No, no, our God is a God who is, yes, he is in absolute control. But he's also a God who is for us. Let me read to you um, Romans 8. This is uh, starting in verse 31. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Okay, that's, that's huge for us to understand, right? Because, because I want us to have this, this right perspective of God as we begin to kind of look at, at, at seasons that, yes, God is in control, which means that nothing slips through his hands, nothing is a surprise to him, everything is in control because he's God. Yet this God who is in control cares deeply about you. He is deeply for you. And the way that we know that is because he didn't withhold his son from us. He didn't withhold Jesus from us. You see, what the gospel says is that from the very beginning of time, the penalty for sin has always been death. Even in the Garden of Eden, the penalty for rebellion against God or disobedience or sin against God has been death, which is heavy. And so since we're all sinners, since we've all been guilty of rebellion against God, what we have rightfully earned is death. Yet in the most over-the-top act of love the world has ever known, the God of the universe said, hey, I'm going to send my son to die in your place. I'm going to send my son to die the death that you have rightfully earned. And so what happens is that now we get to stand before a God with boldness and with confidence, knowing that when God sees it, he, he doesn't see our guilt or our shame, he sees the sacrifice for Christ, the sacrifice of Christ for us. And so we know that, man, we have a God who is for us because he's gone to great lengths to, to have right relationship with us. And we know that most clearly through the gospel. So the reality is that, man, we have this God who, yes, he appoints every season of life, but this God is a God who is in control and he's for us. And so um, with that being said, I want us to kind of zoom in and, and, and look more at kind of what these seasons are. But as we begin to unpack this, keep, keep in mind and, and view this through the lens of that our God is a God who is both in control and also for us. And so let's pick it up in Ecclesiastes 3, starting in verse 2. It says, there's a time to be born and a time to die, <clears throat> a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, 
a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So this is a pretty extensive list, right? And, and it's laying out that, man, our God, he wisely, sovereignly, powerfully, he, he appoints every single season in life, every single one of them. Now, <clears throat> when I read this, I, I see some good news and, and some not so good news. Okay, so let me start off with the, the good news. The good news is that our God graciously appoints seasons in your life that are full of laughter and joy. Our God graciously appoints seasons in life that are, man, they're, they're just fun. They're fun, they're full of laughter, and they're full of joy, right? So, um, for instance, uh, verse, verse 2 says there's a time to be born, right? Is, is there like a more joyous season in life than, than, than life entering into the world, like birth, right? That's this exciting, fun thing. Like, we, we throw parties for it. We Instagram about it. We do all these things. Why? Because we're celebrating life entering into the world. Like, that's, that's amazing, right? And God appoints that. He appoints life and, and, and birth, right? But verse, verse 4 says there's a time to laugh and a time to dance. Think about the gravity of that. Our God appoints seasons in your life for you to laugh and to dance. That's huge because I think sometimes we don't view God as a God who really champions laughter. But our God invented laughter, right? Like our God loves fun. He loves laughter. He loves dancing. He loves all those things, right? Because our God is a fun God. We just don't typically think of our God as a fun God, right? So I have this um, theory, and I think that when we get, sorry, this is really awkward. I should have placed my water somewhere else. Um, so I have this theory, and I think that when we get to heaven, we'll see this play out. <clears throat> I think that Jesus was the funniest dude that's ever walked, walked the earth. Honestly, I think like he is the funniest guy that's ever walked the earth. Because specifically, if you think about the people that were drawn to Jesus, right? Like little kids. Like kids flocked to Jesus. You know who kids do not flock to? Like standoffish, stoic people. Right? Like, they, they flock to people who are fun and goofy and laughing and throwing them around, right? Like, like, like they're drawn to funny people, right? Jesus also drew in people who loved to party. Like, he was always, like, accused of being a, a drunk and a glutton because he was hanging out with guys who were just partying a lot. Do you know the easiest way to kill the vibe at a party? To be some stoic dude who talks about theology all the time, right? Trust me, I'm a pastor. I know these things, right? Um, but like, geez, no, he was this funny dude. Like, he, he was the life of the party. He told funny stories and jokes. And like, yeah, he, he loved people where they were. But I have to believe that, man, Jesus drew so many people to himself because he was a funny guy, right? And the reality is we have a guy, man, he loves laughter. He loves jokes. He loves fun, Right? And God has graciously appointed seasons in our life where we can just have fun. That's amazing. And so, man, maybe you're in a season where, man, that's where you are. And it's like, praise God for that. That is the grace of God on your life that you get to just be in a season where, man, things, things are just good. They're good. They're fun. And our God graciously appoints those seasons. It's amazing. But here's the bad news. <clears throat> the bad news is that sometimes God also appoints seasons in our life that bring discomfort. Sometimes God brings seasons in our life that, that bring discomfort. <clears throat> so in verse 2, it says, there's a time to be born, but there's also a time to die. Right? I know a lot of people in this room, like your, your life, your story has been marked by loss. It's been marked by death and mine and too. And, and when you 
lose somebody, there's no easy way to transition from life with somebody to life without somebody. Like, that's not a fun season. That's not a, a comfortable season. Yet in God's wisdom and God's sovereignty, he appoints that. It says there's a time to, to laugh and to dance, but also says there's a time to weep and to mourn. And sometimes God appoints seasons in life where things are just sad. And sometimes relationships are hard. Sometimes you hate your job. Sometimes you're lonely. Sometimes your family's a mess. Sometimes you get sick. Sometimes you just look at your life and it's like, man, it's not playing out the way that I thought it would. And sometimes there are just seasons in life where we just cry. We weep and we mourn and we're just sad. And God, in his wisdom, he, he appoints those seasons in life. It says there's a, in verse 5, it says there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Some of you guys are in really amazing relationships. And again, that's the grace of God providing that person for you. But there's others of us in the room, man, and, and you're walking through a season and, and you just got dumped. And this is a, a time, this is a season of not embracing and, and, and it's weighing on you and you're just frustrated and you don't quite know and, and you hate it. For whatever reason, God appointed that, these seasons. There are seasons where God is, I mean, he's gracious and there's, there's joy and laughter and, and life, but then even in his grace, sometimes he appoints seasons where there's just discomfort. And if you're anything like me, you read that and you think, why? Why? Like, why, why, why would God do that? Why would God appoint seasons in life that just aren't fun, that are uncomfortable? Why, why would God do that? And I'll be really honest with you. To an extent, I don't know. To an extent, I, I don't know. And what I mean is I don't, I don't know specifics because I'm not God. Like, I can't tell you why, why you lost a parent in high school. I don't know specifics. I can't tell you specifically why that, that one person said that thing to you that one time that led to an eating disorder. I, I don't know why God would allow that, that idiot dude to, to make a promise to you that he couldn't keep and then break your heart. I don't know specifics. But here's what I do know. I know that our God is in control and that he's for us. Know that our God is in control, that nothing slips through his hands, that nothing is a surprise for him, nothing is, is going chaotically. No, our God is in control, and he's for us. He's for us. And when we can come to a place where theologically we can wrap our minds around it, and I realize like, that's, that's hard to, to wrap our minds around sometimes because some of these seasons, they're brutal. They're brutal. But if we can understand this, if we can have the faith to believe that our God is in control and that he's for us, it gives us the freedom to do two things. So as we kind of begin to close, let me kind of lay out for you just two things that, that this gives us the freedom to do. And the first is this. <clears throat> if we believe that God is both in control and that he's for us, it gives us the freedom to view every season as a teaching opportunity. It gives us the freedom to view every season as a teaching opportunity. And here's what I mean. Um, <clears throat> if God is in control and if he's for us, and what that means is that nothing is lacking purpose. Nothing is lacking meaning. If God is in control, if he knows what's going on, and if he delights in you, if he loves you, if he is for you, then we know that I mean, nothing you experience is, is meaningless. 
no matter how tragic it may be, it's not meaningless. So what that does is it allows us to press into the Lord and say, God, I know you're doing something. I can't see it. I, I don't really know, but God, will you please show me? Show me what's going on. Teach me what's, what you're trying to show me during the season because I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And when I think about my life, the reality is, man, the times where I've grown the most, when I've learned the most about the Lord and his character, the, the times when I've fallen most in love with the Lord, it's the seasons that have been uncomfortable. It's been the seasons where, where things didn't go the way that I, I wish they would have gone, right? It was growing up with a stutter and, and losing my dad in college and going through a nasty breakup and getting passed up for a job that I thought I deserved or getting rejected or battling rumors or gossip or whatever it is. Like, it's the seasons in my life that, that in the moment, I don't like them. They're uncomfortable. Those are the seasons when I look back on life, man, that's where I grew the most. That's where I grew in my love for the Lord the most. So, man, I don't know where you are, but, man, my hope is that we can come to a place where we view every single season as, man, God, I hate this. This doesn't feel good, but, God, will you show me what's going on? Because I know that it's not lacking purpose. I know that it's not lacking meaning. So, God, show me. So, man, if you're lonely, man, press into the Lord and say, God, show me the point of this. If you're struggling with community and you're like, God, I, I don't know where I fit, man, it's, God, show me what you're doing. If you've been dumped and you're like, God, this hurts, God, will you show me what's going on here? Wherever you are, this is an opportunity for us to grow and to learn and to see more of who God is because we know that if God is in control and if he's for us, then nothing we experience is lacking purpose. So the first thing is we get the freedom to, to view everything as a teaching opportunity. But the second thing is that we have the freedom to appreciate every single season, whether it's bad or good. We have the, the, the freedom to appreciate where we are, whether that season is bad or good. You see, we live in a culture that, that is so focused on the grass is always greener. We have a grass is greener culture where we're always looking for the next thing, right? And, and for me, man, I, I've been this way since I was a kid, right? I was, I was the middle school kid who couldn't wait to be in high school, and when I was in high school, I couldn't wait to be in college, and when I was in college, I couldn't wait to be out of college and have a job and make money, and then God's like, you're going to be a pastor sucker, and so that didn't work out, but, um, but I, I was always just like looking for that next thing, right? And you know what happens every time I get to the next thing? Every single time I look back, and I get nostalgic about the thing that I just left, and I think, oh man, that, that, that was actually really cool. I, I wish I would have taken advantage of that season more. Right? So, like, um, I have to think about, like, moments in college when we would sit around, we'd be bored, and we'd just be dreaming about, man, let's get out of this, like, college town, and let's go somewhere cool and, and, and do cool things. Now that I'm in a cool city where there are cool things, you know what I miss more than anything? Being bored with all my college friends. Like, I can't tell you what bored feels like anymore. Like, I don't even know, right? Because life just moves so fast, and I look back, and I think, man, that was such an amazing season. I wish I would have soaked, soaked it up more. I wish I wasn't looking for the next thing. And so the reality is that we have this opportunity where, man, we can sit and, and say, man, I know who God is. I know he's doing something that every season has a purpose to it because he appointed it. So I'm going to take, take advantage of it. I'm going to just sit and I'm going to dwell and take advantage of the season I'm in and appreciate it because seasons don't last forever. Seasons don't last forever. So I'm going to love where I am, even if that season isn't a good season. So, so, so for instance, do you know the seasons where I feel closest to the Lord? There's seasons where everything's going wrong. 
Seasons when everything is just going wrong, everything's hitting the fan, and that's the moment when I feel closest to the Lord because I don't have anywhere else to go. Like when things are going well, man, I'm so self-reliant. I think it's because of me, but when everything falls apart, I say, God, I don't know what I'm doing, and I press in, and I feel this closeness. So, man, maybe that's where you are. Man, appreciate that. Enjoy that. Yeah, it doesn't feel good, but, man, there are things that God is showing us in every single season that, man, if we learn to appreciate and press in, man, we get to experience the Lord in incredible ways. So we, so we learn, we have the freedom to appreciate where we are, no matter what that season may be. Now, here's the deal. I can't make you believe any of this. I can't make you believe what the Word of God says. All I can do is say, hey, this is what Scripture says. Scripture says that we have a God who is wise and powerful and just next level. And for whatever reason, he has sovereignly appointed every single thing that you walk through. And because he's for us, because we know that because of the gospel, what happens is that we can trust him. Even if we can't see it, we can, we can trust that our God knows what he's doing. And he's trying to, to move. He's trying to show you something in his grace. He's trying to say, hey, I'm, I'm trying to give you more of myself. But I can't make you believe that. But my prayer is that the, the spirit is, is doing something in our hearts, giving us the faith to, to, to see who he is and, and to navigate seasons of life in such a way that, that we trust him. We say, God, I don't see what's going on. I don't necessarily even like what's going on, but I know you, and I trust you. It's been my prayer for us is that as we kind of enter into all these different seasons of life, because, man, there are so many different seasons between the ages of 18 and 35 or however old you are in this room. And there's so many different seasons of life, and the reality is that we have a God who is both in control and he's for us. And so my hope is that when, the more we begin to understand that and the more that begins to stir our hearts, the more we begin to trust him. Let me pray. <clears throat> Father, I, uh, I don't for a minute <clears throat> pretend to even understand what's going on in this room. I don't pretend to understand the stories um, the heartache, the trials, the pain, the, the questions that people have as they're walking through seasons, I think, man, this is just brutal. But God, what I do know is that you are so good. You are gracious and that you are sovereign. That you are for us and not against us. So God, my hope is that you give us the faith to to believe that. that. That in the moments when it is difficult to actually trust that you're good, to actually trust in, in your will, that we, we have the faith to say, God, I, I trust you. So Father, will you bring peace? Will you bring, bring comfort? Will you bring an understanding of yourself that, that moves us to a place where we just stand in awe of you? God, we know it's hard. But God, you've graciously appointed every single season in life. So Father, will you teach us how to trust you in the midst of every single one of those? So your sons, let me pray. Amen.